You are listening to the Collegiate Ministries Podcast, where we discuss what just, vibrant, and inclusive campus ministries can look like in the 21st century. My name is Derek Scott III. I'm the Executive Director of Campus City Wesley Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm Rich Havard, the pastor of the Inclusive Collective in Chicago, Illinois. We are your co-hosts for this season. Let's reimagine campus ministry together. Hello to our listeners and welcome to this episode of Collegiate Ministries Podcast. Today, we're talking to four current college students about what their experience is in this time and what they need from Collegiate Ministries during the season. In the midst of a pandemic, and in a particular grievous moment concerning racism and the killing of Black people by the police. So we're really excited to have four incredible young adults with us today. And so I want to invite them to introduce themselves. uh, And also, as you're introducing yourselves, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourselves. So I'm going to invite Gigi, maybe if you want to go first, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm Gigi. Um, Yeah, I'm a organizer, a pre-service teacher at UIC. I'm in school to be a high school English teacher. I'm also sometimes a worship leader. um, And I guess I would consider myself also a healer, um, meaning everything that I do um, is centered around healing justice, restorative justice, transformative justice. Yeah. Love it. Beautiful. Sydney, what about you? Yes. Hi. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. My name is Sydney Buchanan. I am 22 years old and I'm a student at University of North Florida um, here in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm studying sociology with a minor in religious studies. Um, And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a six wing seven. I'm a cancer. Um, and if you like Myers-Briggs, I'm an ESFJ. So that should tell you all you need to know about me. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm a worship leader for a United Methodist campus ministry. Um, I oversee the band and kind of everything worship. I love to write. And I guess I'm overall a bit of a creative um, but I really am passionate about sociology and I've done a lot of research in um, just on race and sexuality and how that intersects with faith. And that's just all that I'm really passionate about. I mean, I exist at this intersection of blackness and queerness. So that's just everything that is my life and everything I'm passionate about. Um, and yes, I love Jesus and that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. Michael, how about you? Yeah, sure. Hello. Um, thank you for having me. My name is Michael. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am a gender women's studies major with a global Asian studies minor on the pre-med track, and I go to UIC. But on top of all that, I'm also a content creator and a writer. If you're interested in looking up my art, you can follow me at Inky Battlefields. Um, that's Inky Battlefields. No caps, no spaces, no punctuation. And I grew up um, in a conservative Baptist school. But on the weekends, I'd go to a really progressive, non-denominational church. So I had all these very different views of of God, uh, and I grew up with that. Um, I don't know what denomination I'd consider myself part of as of right now, but I still identify with being a Christian and um, with following the Christian faith. Fantastic. And remind me, Michael, what does UIC mean? 
UIC is University of Illinois in Chicago. I recently transferred, so I hope I got that right. Awesome. You got it right. You got it right. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. And Jacob, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. So I'm Jacob. Um, I'm 19. I go to University of North Florida. Let's see. I'm a, I'm a 928 on the Enneagram. I think I'm an INFP. Um, and I'm an Aries too. So that's, that's all the bases, right? I covered them. I've grown up in the Methodist church all my life, all, you know, South Florida all the time. Um, so for school, I, I'm about to have my AA, um, don't really know what I'm doing quite yet. You know, it's all right. to do some soul searching, but yeah, we're here now. So fantastic. Thank you, Gigi and Sydney, Michael and Jacob. Um, I wish that uh, you all listening could see uh, these four incredible faces in front of me, but you're listening to uh, four awesome young adults. Uh, Gigi and Michael are part of the Inclusive Collective. We're rich is the campus minister. Sydney and Jacob are part of Campus City Wesley, where I am hanging out. And we wanted to get um, just the perspectives and hear the voices, the journeys of young adults who are experiencing campus ministry and we thought that it'd be really good for you to hear their perspective on, on a few things. So we're just gonna roll right into these questions and um, I'm just excited to hear what they're gonna say. So our first question, is: we just kind of wanna know how you experienced this past spring semester. Um, I don't think anyone got into 2020 thinking that we were gonna have the, the year that we've had so far with COVID-19 and just the incredible disruption that it has been. The, uh, and then racial um, violence uh, and heightened racial awareness in our country because of the murder of George Floyd um, and protests with Black Lives Matter. Uh, it's just been an interesting spring into the summer. And so I just would love to hear how you experienced the summer, what sort of has stayed with you, what was disruptive for you, but maybe even what was, what was great for you. So just what was your experience this summer? And Gigi, I'm going to ask if you maybe would get us started with that question. Sure. Um, I felt, I feel <laughs> still mm-hmm. a um, whirlwind of things. Like there is just, there's just been so many emotions <laughs> that have like come over me in this time. Um, I've felt a lot of grief, um, a lot of loss, a lot of pain, but also like, a lot of privilege I've felt and a lot of like um, joy um, and beauty I've seen um, in this time right now. Those are just some words to kind of describe it. But yeah, I work for an organization that um, where, you know, we have youth who are leading some of these um, actions and protests and it's been a lot. <laughs> like it's been a lot. Also the frustration of just like, why don't y'all listen to black youth? Like, why don't y'all listen to like mm. students and um, people who are like, you know, doing this work and like living this life every day. There's been that frustration where we're like, the church is just now saying black lives matter. So mm. I've been feeling that really heavily um, to the point where I've been so frustrated with like, even my faith communities that I'm, I, you know, where there are people that I love deeply but like, still, I'm just like, <laughs> y'all just now saying this. Like, y'all just now caring about um, Black people 
And then y'all ain't even really caring about black people because y'all don't care about black queer people. Y'all don't care about black trans people. So like, Mm. I just, I'm, yeah, that's, those are the things, the emotions that I'm like having right now. Thanks for that, Gigi. Yeah, Gigi, I'm totally resonating with you and kind of the frustration that you've been experiencing with like, wow, you're just now saying Black Lives Matter. I, um, when I was kind of like reading these questions beforehand and kind of preparing, one of the things I wrote is like, as far as the racial injustice has heightened awareness, like this is something I've been aware of, like as a black person in America, it's something you can't help but be aware of, you know? So this isn't something new that I'm processing. And so really I'm just processing kind of this new wave of the movement and the new allies that have come on board and giving grace to those who are just now getting on board and um, continuing to take care of myself because, you know, in the midst of the pandemic and um, with the kind of racial conversations that have been at the forefront, it can be very, well, it can be very traumatic uh, as a black person. And so this season has been really interesting for me academically. It's been really challenging. It's been challenging for my mental health. Um, I've gotten back into therapy. (laughs) And so it's really been a season of balancing between like doing my part in all of this, um, but also just taking care of myself as best as I can. Thanks for that, Sydney. Yeah, you know, I've been, um, I've been, you know, it, it's just been a lot of process. Um, it's been real difficult to stay motivated to, you know, get get work done and, you know, attend live streams and stuff like that to still feel like you're, you know, a part of something. And um, for me, that's just been difficult because I just want to, you know, watch Netflix and lay in my bed all day, but you, you mm-hmm. can't do that in be happy for your life. So it's, it's been a, it's been a struggle for me. And, um, I finally got out and I just got back from a little vacation. Um, so it it was great to get out and, you know, see some, some family, some friends and some, a little bit more of the world. Um, it's been a lot better than seeing my bedroom walls. (laughs) Definitely. And I I can't imagine what, this has been like this season has been like for so much to be happening in our country and in our world, and yet we can't really get together in maybe the ways that our ministries have in the past. I don't know, and Michael. I don't know if that speaks to any of your um, experience. Well, what? How have you been experiencing sort of this whole season from the spring into the summer? I can definitely empathize with feeling like I'm in a whirlwind of feeling overwhelmed and feeling frustrated, but also feeling really, really tired. For uh, folks who don't know, I was also training to be an EMT over the spring semester. um, And I just finished that training, I believe halfway through June, but I I just entered that training uh, during the time that COVID really, really began to hit. And it was such an interesting perspective as an Asian American person who hopes to work in healthcare to see what communities COVID is affecting, not only directly, but also indirectly through um, racial prejudice and uh, discrimination. And yeah, I've just, I've just been feeling really overwhelmed. I also feel like I haven't really been able to catch a break this uh, summer 
because I'm trying to get more involved with uh, activism and justice work and I'm taking summer classes. So yeah, I feel very overwhelmed. Michael, thanks for that. Yeah, thank you all for sharing um, with such candor. I really appreciate it. Uh, one of the things I, I know Derek and I think about is um, is that failure can teach us a lot. So like the so sort of looking at and doing um, like how have we failed in the past and what can we learn from that moving forward into the future. And so I'm really interested to hear from you all about like in the midst of what you have been experiencing, where have uh, campus ministries, the church, society at large, or other communities, where have they failed? Um, which needs of you were not met? Um, where did you, what did you find yourself sort of longing for uh, that you weren't getting? Um, Sydney, would you mind starting us off with that question? Yes. There's a lot there. <laughs> I feel as far as the pandemic, I have felt as of recently that a lot of churches um, and ministries haven't been recognizing their responsibility in taking care of their communities and taking care of their people. And so I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of ministries weren't prepared for what it looks like to go online, which is really hard, right? Like if that's not something you are already investing into what an online ministry looks like, what it means to create community online, it can be very discouraging to, um, not be able to gather. But this kind of rush that we've seen churches um, having to get back together has been very discouraging for me because I feel like it's really ignoring the wellness of the community. And we just see um, that this pandemic is not is not ending the way that we want to see. And it's because I don't think that, that ministries are, are seeing their responsibility in it. Um, and so as far as the um, COVID, that's how, how I really feel about that. And that's been kind of, um, that's been kind of disappointing for me. But as far as racial injustice, I mean, I'm continually thinking about the ways that the church is reinforcing a culture of white supremacy. And um, I think that any church that hasn't taken a clear stance on these issues is being complacent. And so I, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of ministries kind of existing in these kind of vague spaces on these issues. And I, I think that that's really a loss that in this time, like this is our time to, to come together, to be allies and to um, stand on the side of those who are oppressed and those who are marginalized and those who are hurting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but those are just some of my personal feelings about where the church has been, has been failing on these issues. Yeah. Thank you, Sydney. Those are such real things that um, we need to hear and to um, uh, choose a different way forward uh, into the future. Michael, I'm curious, um, what are your thoughts about that? What, wh where have you, have your communities, churches, ministry, society failed uh, during this season? Where have the communities, churches, society, uh, where have they failed or fallen short during the season? I think the first thing that came to mind was creating spaces for BIPOC, which means um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, to be able to process what's happening in the world. 
uh, separated um, <laughs> from white folks because as a non-Black person of color, I know that talking about racial injustice and the and the coronavirus happening has been extremely taxing and there are not a lot of spaces for healing and for conversation and for digesting these issues and how they directly impact our communities. And on, on top of that, I can, uh, Sydney, about what you said of certain institutions not speaking up, I definitely hear you on that because both the institutions that I've grown up with and the institutions that I'm in presently have, some of them have come up with like apologies or statements, but it doesn't feel like those statements are enough or it doesn't feel like those statements are necessarily sincere. Like one, one sentence saying Black Lives Matter will not erase a lifetime of trauma that you have dealt to uh, Black people, to Indigenous people, to other communities of color. And that's something that I feel really strongly about. Part of me is like, well, we need to take time for change to actually happen. But I feel like there are not enough communities that even begin to address the hurt that they have caused. So how can you create good, meaningful healing change if you do not address the hurt you've caused? It's good, Michael, sort of like to, uh, no more vague platitudes and uh, moving into action. I also just want to lift up for, for campus ministers listening um, what Michael started off with around the, the creation of spaces, particularly for um, uh, uh, black indigenous people of color is, is really important. And so it's been a learning curve for the inclusive collective as a very diverse racially and ethnically group to say, hey, there, there are going to be times when we don't all need to be together. Um, and people have different needs. And I think people have different entry points into discipleship. Uh, and so that's something we, we've experimented with in the past and we're going to move more full throttle with this semester um, to, to, do, um, uh, to, to meet needs of different people. And I think I'm really excited about that. And it sort of goes against this sort of like um, neoliberal, like we all need to be together and we can do these things. And it's like, no, that's not always the case. Um, And I think that's a really important learning for campus ministries, particularly those that are operating on really diverse um, campuses. So um, thanks for lifting that up, Michael. Um, uh, Jacob, what about you? What are uh, some of your thoughts? I feel like rather than looking at this from like, a political point of view, we've got to look at it from a Jesus point of view. And Jesus was all about, you know, the, the oppressed, the, you know, showing mercy to the merciful in that whole passage. Um, that verse, I don't quite remember what it is off the top of my head, but uh, just, you know, they, they're being oppressed. So we have to speak out and think, you know, like the, the good old bracelets that you used to make in VBS, what would Jesus do? It's something that we should actually, you know, Practice, practice what you preach, if you will. That's just how I feel about that. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Jacob. It reminds me of um, the sort of the Howard Thurman's great work, Jesus and the Disinherited, uh, where Jesus was was doing not just doing ministry with the oppressed, but Jesus was an oppressed person in society himself, and what that says about our faith. I think it has pretty profound implications um, for the Jesus that we follow. Um, so Gigi, um, close us out with this question. Um, where have you seen failure um, during this season? Yeah, I've been dying to like bounce off of what, what Sydney was saying um, just about care and like com- like community care. And like I found myself like 
naming it like radical black self-care. And I think radical black self-care is for everyone. (laughs) And like black radical self-care is something that like everyone can benefit from and that we have not been showing our people, our black folks in the church. And I think like, um, I mean, that's like, that's in the, the disproportionate numbers of like people who have been dying and, you know, from COVID and um, dying, black people dying, period, like <laughs> black people dying um, because of police murder and also black people dying from like this crazy disease that, you know, has us stuck in our houses. Like, um, and I think like black radical self-care um, needs to be um, extended to um black leaders right like I don't think that I think I see a lot of like black um leaders in the churches and black ministers and pastors and worship leaders who are having to lead a whole body of people because people don't know how to do the shit and like there is no care for them and so therefore there's like this reliving the trauma and there's even more trauma created when you're leading a group of people that you know are not understanding what it means to center the oppressed and um there's no room for healing and no room for actual like like radical self-care and i think um i think like we need to learn how to be in communion with um our people like we, we we're not in communion fully um with our people and with the full body and so um yeah Gigi, thank you for that. And, and I really appreciate you naming the, just the weight of all, of all that, we're, that we're experiencing right now, particularly on people of color, leaders of color. But I, so it made me curious for all of you, and this is sort of a sidebar, I didn't plan on answer, asking this question, so you, you can you know, pass if you don't want to, but I'm curious... How have you how have you made space for self-care in this season? What has been what has been your mode of sort of taking care of yourself and and maintaining some sense of of a some sense of just centeredness as as we're trying to navigate through all of this? That, anyone can jump in on that. But what what is what have you been doing to take care of yourself over the last few weeks and months? I'll jump in on this. Um, I am back in therapy. (laughs) I think I mentioned that earlier, but yes, I just think it's, I think therapy is the best thing. And I talk about it all the time and I'm always telling my friends to go to therapy because um, I just think it's really important to destigmatize taking care of our mental health. So um, I'm constantly talking about it because I really want it to feel like a normal conversation of like, yeah, I'm, I'm in therapy. I'm seeking help for myself uh, in that way. And especially as a person of, of color and also something I've been thinking and talking a lot about is making space for my own joy, even mm. in a society that's constantly trying to um, take that from me and uh, steal my voice that um creating space for my joy is, is an act of rebellion, um, protest in itself. And yes. so I think that that's so important, um, and, and such an important way to care for yourself. 
How have I been taking care of myself? I think one thing that I've really learned over this semester and throughout the summer is that I do not need to be completely burned out in order to take time to heal and to rest and rejuvenate. And that healing and like resting, the act of resting and recovery in and of itself is revolutionary. Mm. So just letting myself not feel guilty for being able to take those pauses. Like if I don't finish my to-do list, then like that's okay. Or if I watch one too many YouTube videos, that's okay. uh, Because I just, I also need time to recharge. For those of you who don't know, I'm an Enneagram 3, (laughs) which means that like I hustle and I don't know how to do anything else. But yeah, just trying to like let myself rest. As we're getting ready for the fall semester, uh, new academic year, and we still don't really know what it's going to look like on any of our campuses, what do you, if, if you could talk to, I mean, technically y'all are talking to your campus ministers, but if, if you could help campus ministers think about what young adults in this moment might be needing, as we go into this new semester, and no, I'm not asking you to speak for all young adults, I'm not asking you to speak for the whole spectrum, of, but if you could just kind of speak out of your own experience, what are you needing or what do you sense you might need as we go into the fall semester? I, I feel like, you know, we, we just need to create that feeling of community, mm. you know, like um, we, we have, you know, live streams where we, do do like worship and then have a little sermon but it, it just doesn't feel like you're there which i don't know that that might just be me but uh like i said earlier we we probably could meet but we probably shouldn't mm-hmm. um all gather and get together physically so I, i'm hoping to figure out how to create that uh that community of feeling like you're with people even though you're you're not really and that's that's the that's the question of the of the season. Um, it, it, it is, but I, I, Jacob, I think that many people resonate with. It's been great to do all this stuff online, but I, I need to see a real human. I need to be in the space with a real human, and I know we can't get all the real humans in the space. But how many how many humans with masks can we get in the space with it being okay? And um, because we still need each other. Even though we don't want to infect each other, we still, we need each other. So I I appreciate you naming that. Yeah, um, I have like practical things and then I have like, um, I guess like some things that are on my heart. But like, yeah, um, along with the resource um, point and just like 
So there, there are like a list of things that are happening at UIC. So I'll, I'll definitely have a list for you, Rich. Like, <laughs> um, Give it to me, Gigi. Let's have yeah, it. Yeah. So like there are, um, there's organizing, there's student organizing happening on campus. There's actually a collective that um, is doing some like political education on like abolition. It's called Abolition at UIC. Um, and they've like done some, uh, some like, they've had like a panel of people talk about what does abolition mean and what does that mean specifically within the institution of UIC um, and how UIC is innately racist. Like the displacement, everything has just been, um, it's just racist. And so um, just what does that look like within the context of like the academy? And um, I think that (laughs) type of stuff, like the institutional stuff um, where Campus ministries are like um, getting involved with like or get or co- even connecting with like student organizers um, and listening to the voices that are on campus um, who are organizing around these issues and like the demands that uh, these some of these students came up with had to do with resources providing um, students of color. I think there there was even like specifically black students like tuition assistance and uh, it was just like a whole list of demands that they created some years ago. Um, that will be great <laughs> for, you know, campus ministries to just like connect with some of the organizing that is happening on campus. There is a lot of student organizing that's happening. Um, and like understanding that um, even though, yeah, you know, campus ministries may have the capacity to like provide, uh, you know, a couple of hundred dollars or something to a student that like this is an institutional issue. So like, if, you know, if you have to pay so much money in tuition, then like that's an institutional issue. That's not just a campus ministry issue, too. So connecting um, that. But then also just like listening to black people like I keep saying, like, yo, black people are Afrofuturistic. Like we tell the future. We're prophets like we're, you know, pro- we're prophetic. And so um, I'm like. Some some people, I, like I'm, I'm about to get real political, but like I, I'm just like Al Sharpton. You, if you would have listened to BLM four years ago, then maybe we would have been in a different situation. But anyways, like <laughs> um, I'm just yeah. Listen to black people. Do yourself a favor. We are prophetic, like we are futuristic in our hair, in our bodies, in our um words, in our music, like in our food, like. We're futuristic. So please, like, just listen to Black young people, listen to Black trans people, listen to Black women and fans. Like, listen to us and you'll um, save a lot of time. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. I love that. That's a, that's a, that's like a soundbite right there, Gigi. Put that out in the, in the airwaves. Thank you uh, for that. Um, um, I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful for all of your, your words and wisdom. People need to hear this. Derek and I need to hear it. Um, other campus ministers need to hear it. Um, it is, it is uh, carving out a way forward that's different than the same old shit, and it's really important. Uh, we have one last question, and this one we're going to ask you to put it in a, in a tweetable answer. So I think the new Twitter is like, what, 244 characters, something like that. It, they, they elongated it. But a pretty short answer um, for this question. I'm going to read a passage from a book called Another Way, um, from uh, Stephen Lewis and Matthew Williams and Dory Baker, three of our, our friends at the Forum for Theological Exploration. 
and the Interdenominational Theological Center. Uh, um, anyway, I'm going to read a quote um, from, um, from uh, another way and then ask you to respond to it with the, the question. So here's the quote. New possibilities often arrive in grand visions. We imagine alternatives as expansive portraits of a desirable future. Yet bringing those colorful worlds into being takes place one brushstroke at a time. Grand alternatives require attention to granular details. We are often overwhelmed in our attempts to facilitate change because we fail to shrink the task. Failure to attend to the next proximal action can lead to burnout. If our passion overwhelms our capacity to enact the vision of the change we seek. So um, I'd love to hear from each of you, uh, Twitter version, what uh, proximal actions, what next steps would you suggest for collegiate ministries to take uh, immediately as soon as the fall arrives to be the kind of faith community that you need in this particular season? Um, Sydney, can we start with you? I'm going to echo, I think, what Gigi said um, and say that I think a lot of action starts with making sure your people are educated um, and listening to the marginalized voices who aren't leading the movements. And so um, I would say that the next steps are to get your leadership on board and get resources flowing through your community and listen and um, studying even black theologians. I think these are, are where a lot of action and change starts is when we start listening to the voices of those who are oppressed and those who are marginalized and those who need our support and allyship in this time. So that's, I think that's the next step for a lot of, a lot of ministries. I just wanted to give my opinion on, um, on, you know, new possibilities often arrive in grand visions, right? And then, you know, one or two sentences later, it says alternatives require attention to granular details. So if we, you know, we really want change, then we have to do this step by step. This isn't going to be a swing for the fences and bam, home run, we fixed it. It's a, let's, let's, you know, work this out, you know, let's take, let's do a little bit at a time. Okay. So if we, if we do something wrong, we can go back to right before we don't have to make a big jump back. We can, you know, it's like how, like the Patriots, how the Patriots, you know, play football. They go, they do dink and dunks. They do five yards, six yards, three yards. They, so if, you know, they, they mess up, it's, it's okay. You know, you, then you can pull out the big guns, but if you go step by step, you know, you figure out what, what works, what doesn't, you got to do it, you know, short and sweet. Thanks Jacob. Step by step. And we got to leave it to our, our, our resident um, straight guy to be our sports uh, sports uh, person on the call. So thanks, Jacob. Yeah, oh, dear. <laughs> you know, it's a straight white guy. You know, I fit, I fit the stereotype. You got to bring in the sports for us. We love it. We love it. Thanks, Jacob. Um, so Gigi or Michael, next steps uh, for, for collegiate ministry leaders? Um, get connected with the student organizers. If y'all, you know, 
just get connected with your your student organizers, the people that are doing the work, like Sydney said, like the people who are at the forefront of the movement, um, and listen to Afro futuristic people, like Black people. Um, what are our next steps for collegiate ministries? Do um, I think it's I think it's essential that we uplift voices of color, that we uplift people of color, that we integrate Black, Indigenous people of color, not only into talks that are about racial justice, although that is very, very important, but into other positions of leadership that might not even discuss race in the beginning. On that note, also, I especially want to bring up, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but right now, um, there is this crisis going on in terms of international students have are potentially going to be deported if there um, if there are no if they don't have to attend um, an in class session, which is detrimental because a you're spreading COVID and b you're putting these students' lives at risk and some other countries aren't even open, which means that they might be put in detention camps and other other terrible scenarios. So speaking up for those uh, international students also in trying to work out alternatives and in trying to keep signing petitions and keep uh, fighting for them to be able to stay here. But yeah, that's all I got. Wow. Gigi, Jacob, Sydney, Michael, it has been just incredible to hear the four of you speaking from different angles, different perspectives, bringing um, your reality into this conversation. Just so grateful. Um, so thank you so much. I, I, as a campus minister, I just want you to know, and I think Rich will uh, echo this, we believe in you so much. And we really want to continue to create spaces where you can discover all that you can be and you can uh, know that you are being loved and supported, that people are cheering for you, that people are here for you, and uh, I can't say enough, so I'll just stop there and say thank you. Thanks for being you. The Collegiate Ministries Podcast is a resource presented by collegiateministries.com and is funded by the Young Clergy Initiative of the United Methodist Church. Production support is provided by Wesley's Revival. For more information on building just, vibrant, and inclusive ministries for college-aged young adults, visit collegiateministries.com.